Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to December's Movies Podcast. In this edition, we look back to the best Blu-rays of 2012. So joining me for December's podcast is Steve, Chris, Kaz and Simon. Good evening, guys. Evening, Hello. Phil. Good evening, Phil. And uh, as it is December, why don't we round up the year in terms of Blu-rays, reviews and everything else that we've done this year, including our trips to the cinema. So we need to kick it off. We need to pick the first subject. And uh, I think the best way to start is um, with our love of films, old and new. Uh, let's look at old. Let's look at restorations and the classics that have finally made it to Blu-ray this year. And let's go to Simon first. Simon, give us your uh, restoration or classic movie that's finally made it to Blu-ray that's really made your year. Jaws. Do I need to say anything else? Next. Surely that's that. Surely that is. What's it about, Simon? <laughs> it's a big shark. Surely you don't need to say anything else. Jaws, we've been waiting for I don't know how long. It's finally come to Blu-ray in a spectacular disc. Spectacular extras. Fabulous film. Fabulous picture. Fabulous sound. I rest my case. Now, I've got a list of five or six, but, you know, I don't want to tread on anyone's toes. But um, <laughs> because I went first, that's the one I'm going to pick. Well, it's a good choice. I've got to say, I, I was blown away with it. Yes, we, we've waited a long time, and they actually did a really good job with the restoration, didn't they, Chris? They most certainly did, yeah. Um, the sky looks proper now. It's kind of more consistent. Um, the sound, you've got the old mono sound, and, you know, you've got the revamped version, if you like that sort of thing as well. It's a, yeah, a great job was well done. A lot was riding on it, and I don't think we disappointed anyone at all. Great stuff. Well, I'd, I don't think this next one will, will be on people's list, but uh, i got to say, I bought the disc to see what it was like. It's another Spielberg film, and that was E.T., which was released recently. Um, I don't think that was going to hit our all-time list, but I think it's worth a, a special mention just for the fact that we got rid of the walkie-talkies and we got the original version back. Yeah, that was Agreed. definitely a good sign, I think, that Spielberg came out publicly and said he made a massive mistake uh, 10 years ago when he did the 20th anniversary re-release by uh, fiddling around with it in post-production and doing a little bit of computer jiggery to get rid of walkie-talkies, well, get rid of guns, sorry, and replace them with walkie-talkies. Um, I mean, he admittedly said he thought he shouldn't have put guns into what was essentially a kid's film, which is a fair point, but he then said this year that, um, you know, the film he made in 82 is the film he made in 82. That's the way it was. And, he, and you know, effects-wise, he's leaving it as it was. And in terms of context, leaving it as it is. And, you know, I think he's absolutely right. And, and uh, in a certain certain way, it was a bit of a double-edged uh, comment towards his friend George and his, you know, countless number of tinkering around with um, with Star Wars, the Star Wars films in the past. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that Spielberg came out publicly and said he made a mistake, because I think he did. Okay, so let's move to Kaz. Kaz, what was your restoration or classic film that made it onto Blu-ray and made your year? Well, I think I'm going to cheat and go with Bond. Which one? <laughs> Which one? Well, I mean, having the entire set. If I, if I wanted to pick one, it's got to always be my favourite, which is Spy Who Loved Me. But having the entire, you know, 22 film set made my year. You know, that was, uh, that's, 
okay, so all the restorations aren't perfect. It's a, you know an average eight out of ten score, and everyone has their quibble about certain ones. But uh, overall, it's a fantastic package, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they finally did it and didn't disappoint. I mean, it's it's a properly good set that doesn't take up your entire shelf that presents it in lavish style and does justice to the films inside. I've thoroughly enjoyed going back over it. And um, yeah, that was my restoration of the year. Well, the the other thing that we can't forget there is the value for money as well. Um, they could have fleeced us. They, they could quite easily have charged 150, 200 quid for this set, but they didn't. And it came in uh, I think it was round about £89 when it was first released. I don't know if it's still round about that mark or if it's been reduced for Christmas, but it's fantastic, fantastic value. It's been actually, it's been a fantastic year for good value box sets because you've got the, the Bond box set, obviously. There's been the Universal Monsters box set, which hey! 36 quid. Uh, and there's also uh, just, yeah, uh, well, no, that was over the top pricey, I thought. Typical, typical Lucas squeezing us for every last cent. Um, I did buy it. And it is a nice box set. Oh, we all bought it. <laughs> but, but, Alfred uh, Hitchcock. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Alfred Hitchcock, you know, 90 quid for, uh, I think, 14, 15 movies. Again, uh, really, yeah, really good value. So uh, for box sets this year, it's sport for choice. My right. best restoration. Yes, your best restoration. What was it? You just want one? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I've had to go with just yes. one. Yes, just go with one, Chris, please. Damn like you. everybody else. Well, you know, I'm dying to say zombie flesh eaters. I'm dying to say that. And I just have said it. But I think, to be honest, the one that really blew me away and I just I couldn't tear my eyes off it and I just kept watching it night after night as I was reviewing it, um, but it wasn't a chore at all, it was Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, I knew you was going to say that. That was yeah. on my list well, as well. <laughs> quite quite simply, um, it, it's jaw-dropping. Um, the imagery is spectacular. Cinematography um, is superlative. And the Blu-ray finally you know, does it justice. Uh, an absolutely gorgeous cinematic experience. Um, that I just didn't want to end at the time, and I can't wait to watch it again. You know, it's a, it's just <laughs> how many how many more superlatives can we throw in? Uh, it's just awesome. Absolutely, yeah. We've actually said all. I had a, I had a list of four in my countdown. I had Lawrence of Arabia. I had the Monsters box set because you can't really differentiate between them. they're all fabulous restorations. Zombie flesh eaters and Jaws. They were my yeah. four for the year. I had Jaws, and uh, obviously some of the Universal Monsters. Uh, look spectacular, yeah. Particularly, I have to say, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which was a treat in two ways. A, a it was a nice restoration, and B, you finally got it 3D. in proper 3D. And yeah. my God, the depth they used to use yeah. back then was unbelievable. You could literally focus into the far distance on some of those shots, which they just don't do anymore. But now it's they all knew how to use it. Budget. They knew about the gimmick side of it. They knew about the actual technical side of it. And it promoted the movie in such a way that creature's claws coming right up the screen and almost tickling your nose. Come on, that is what it, 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 it is. It is fairly gimmicky, but that is the whole point of 3D. I think. It, it, it works. Um, and you're, you're there are reasons why they don't do, Chris, there are reasons why they don't do very, very deep back, back backgrounds because if your eye is focusing um in the deep background you're actually diverging your eyes which is a completely unnatural thing for your eyes to do and it can become quite uncomfortable which is why they don't do it in modern films and you shouldn't really do it but i was just staggered at how much there was in that that's what day. happened to marty feldman yeah <laughs> <laughs> he watched creature one too many times um yeah tremendous but you know even dracula and frankenstein and I've had every version of these movies going, um, but you could definitely, and I, I did kind of wonder beforehand, 
how much better are they going to look? Well, quite clearly, they looked a hell of a lot better. Um, and Bride of Frankenstein looks glorious. The Wolfman, God, my favourite of all time, the Wolfman. Again, ju- just marvellous stuff. You know, they, they, they just show their age. You, you can't dress these things up too much. But they look yeah, but fabulous fair, for fair, what, Chris, what they are. Dracula's like 82 years old. <laughs> How old is Dracula now? When was it? Th- well, it was 1931. So. Yeah, so it's nearly 82 years old. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looks wonderful. <laughs> We've discussed it before, but a Spanish version actually looks better. It, it looks a little bit sharper. It looks a bit, a bit smoother. It was filmed in a much better better way, um, yeah. far more technically proficient and a bit more adventurous as well, a bit more imaginative in what they did. Like uh, and, and the outfits. Oh, well, yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of plus points to that one. It would have been great if it just had Bella in the role because the other guy whose name I always, always forget uh, He's good, but he looks a bit too ridiculous, doesn't he? He just pulls that big grin and all actually, the time. Actually, can, can I just play Emperor's, Emperor's New Clothes here for a second? Am I the only person who thinks Bela Lugosi was rubbish? I mean, did he even have teeth? I mean, he looks like a no, gummy but, old the fangs, bloke. No, I always no thought the Dracula's defining characteristic was a pair of fangs. <laughs> you well, don't that's, even that's the see thing, his the, teeth. The fangs came afterwards. You know, there was no fangs in, uh, in Bela Lugosi's one. Uh, but he's not the, the world's greatest actor. No one's ever going to say that he was. Uh, and he did, unfortunately, become very typecast. He played the part on stage. And, you know, he, obviously he was great at that particular role. And it was the role that virtually killed him off. But let's not forget, he was a tremendous Igor in um, Son of Frankenstein, which is a, a, an unsung, you know, favourite out of the, the never-ending cycle of monster movies that Universal made. And hopefully that should be in the next box set, if there is another box set. There must be, mustn't there? I've heard no rumours, but there's got to be another one in the works. There's so many other, you know, um, Universal graves that need to be defiled and given the high-def makeover. And he's an icon. You know, he was no Boris Karloff, who was a lot more versatile. But uh, anyway, we're, we're, we're spending too much time on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's funny you say that, Chris, because one of the films, and I know we're going to discuss this next month, but one of the films that I'm dying to have on disc is Ed Wood. And obviously Martin Lando plays Bella Lugosi in that, and he does a fantastic job of playing the game. I have so. got Ed Wood on Blu-ray. Have you? came out in the States about uh, two months ago. Oh, I need to get hold of that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> really good. It is yeah. a great film. Uh, yeah. It's it's one of the most underrated films, I think, Tim Burton. I think it's made. Tim Burton's best movie, actually. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> that, that and Big Fish. Okay, so uh, I think, Steve, you're the only one that hasn't given us uh, your restoration well, of the year. Yet. Yes, uh, I'm going to go a little bit left field here. Um, not the most obvious choice, but I'm actually going to go with Criterion's new Blu-ray of Heaven's Gate, uh, which is a film that, if you know the history of Heaven's Gate, was a massive box office bomb at the time and sank an entire studio. It brought down UA. Uh, it changed the way films were made forever because after that, the whole 70s director tour period was ended and fil- films became you know, made by producers on tight budgets. Stop what happened at Heaven's Gate happening, where it went from being a $7 million movie to being a $35 million movie. Back in the days, $35 million was a lot of money. Um, it's quite but, a lot of money now. No, no, now it's that's an independent feature. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I'd, I'd quite like to have thirty-five million pounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, you know, so I never thought we would see a full restoration of the director's cut of Heaven's Gate, uh, all four hours and forty minutes of it. But they have, and they've done a fantastic job. They got they they actually didn't have the original negative because that was cut down for a, a two and a half hour release after the film initially got really bad reviews, and uh, they used a, um, a, a CYM uh, Technicolor strip print. Which uh, I have to say, they did a brilliant job on. It looked absolutely gorgeous. I only watched it last night. Uh, and it's got the DTS uh, Master Audio 5.1 soundtrack. 
And uh, and honestly, you can see where the money went. It's on the screen, if nothing else. Some of the shots and vistas uh, that they shot in Montana are absolutely unbelievable. You'd love it, Phil. The photography in it is unbelievably good. It's a great it's not film. Great. It's, 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 a flawed, it's a flawed film. Um, but I, I thought it, I actually think it's a lot better than people give it credit for. I genuinely think it's got a point to make. I think it's really well made. Uh, I think it's got interesting cast. Um, and yeah, it's it's a bit of a you know it's it's just nice to see something like that finally getting the the, you know, the, the sort of five star Blu-ray high def treatment uh, from Criterion, who, who you know usually deliver the goods and have this time. Oh, I'm going to just keep it simple. I, I I thought Jaws was pretty darn good actually. Um, I thought that was one of the better restorations, and one I hated and slated was was Terminator, and everybody disagreed with me on the forum on that. But I stand my ground and say that was not a great re-release. Okay, well, short and sweet there. So, uh, <laughs> so let's let's move it on, and let's move on to uh, best box sets of uh, 2012. Now, that can be classic films or uh, up to date moderns. Um, what were our favourites? Let's go to Chris first. Oh, um, favourite box sets now. I don't know right now. Well, obviously the the Bond 50 box set. God, you know, we've already discussed that. That is possibly, you know, uh, my favourite release ever on, on Blu-ray. I went on for months about the Universal Monsters, and that is great. That's on my list as well. That, that's, you know, a, a wish list, which I finally managed to tick off there. But Bond is just, you know, it's too great for words. Well, I, I think I'm going to go with Chris on this one. Uh, it's Bond for me. Um, Simon? I'm going to pick... Indiana Jones as my uh, box of the year because there aren't that many to choose from. Um, three fantastic films, one coaster, but um, very, very good restorations and all particularly the first one, Raiders, which could have had a restoration that we were talking about just now, a spectacularly done, but it looks brilliant, brilliant and sounds brilliant. They've upped the bass on it. Okay, it does have the sound slight disadvantage that the uh, the other two look sound a little bit weaker, but nevertheless, great set. Unbelievable amount of extras, slightly more expensive, but nevertheless, it's well worth having. We've been waiting for I don't know many many years for it, um, and I'm and I'm very very happy with that particular set. I actually saw Raiders uh, IMAX before the box set came out. It did a brief tour uh, around the UK, and I just managed to to go and see it, and it looked spectacular in IMAX. And I picked up the Blu-ray; looks just as good. I mm. thoroughly agree with you there. It looks one of the two films that that filled the scene in the flicks this year. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah. or if we're back in the last 10 years yeah yeah right let's move oh. on to uh kaz Harlow. and uh, mr Harlow, what was your favorite box set damn well it's got to be bond again can't, <laughs> uh, we can't can't get away from that apart from the fact that i haven't picked up indie yet i, I know i wasted my bond shell earlier but um <laughs> but it's, <laughs> i've got to go for a second shot <laughs> okay, so that's that's three votes for uh, Bond so far. So, uh, Steve, you're going to be left field again. Come on, then. Oh, no, not completely. But I, I will say that uh, I think I'm probably going to plump for the, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock box set, which, uh, which again, is, is pretty good value, 90 quid. Not quite as good value as the Bond box set, it's got to be said. But good value. Uh, it's just about all the major... Um, Hitchcock movies are in there that you could think of. You know, all the classic Hitchcocks, really, with the possible exception of, well, a couple of obvious um, exceptions, one of which is Dial in for Murder, but that was released separately and in 3D, which is great. Um, it's got Vertigo, which is now officially the greatest film of all time, just knocked Citizen Kane off the top list, the top spot. Um, it's got Psycho, it's got North by Northwest, it's got Frenzy. Um, uh, uh, the American one's got North by Northwest, the UK one doesn't. 
I mean, it really is a, a great, if you know, particularly if you don't own any of the Hitchcocks yet on, on high def, then you're getting most of them in one fell swoop, which is great. So uh, a definite plus there from me. One fell swoop, is that, is that an allusion to the birds there? Oh yeah, I forgot the birds is in there too. God, the birds is fantastic, yeah. Uh, the sheer amount of optical shots in that though, people are going to go, oh, that doesn't look any good in high def, that looks awful, but it looks fantastic, I think. There are a few problematic discs in that though, which don't appear to have been uh, restored, in fact, at all. What's the one? God, what's the early one? I forgot what it is. It's Saboteur. Man, Man Who Knew Too Much, I think that's the one which is a, a complete dog's dinner um, of, of a transfer. So, you know, but, you know, overall, it's, it's a terrific set. Even though you've got a couple of naff movies at the end, like Frenzy and fam, Family Plot, which is god awful. Uh, Frenzy's all right. Family Plot, not so much. Is Rebecca in that one? No. No. That would be one of the exception, one of the things I was talking about, you know, films that aren't in there that I would class as you know, classic Hitchcock. And I think well, a few have been. This has been quite a good year for Hitchcock releases because been, there's been plenty. You've had the BFI releasing stuff in this side, on this side of the pond, and you've had the likes of Rebecca and Notorious um, and something else which I can't remember now um, all came out stateside. And, you know, and they're, all, they're all pretty good releases. Um, Spellbound, that's, that's the other one. So it's, it's been a, if you're a Hitchcock fan, you've pretty much... You know, got the whole gamut there, and the lodge has just come out as well in a UK disc, uh, which is another you know an old talent movie, fabulously um, forward thinking. Uh, was you know technology wise from from Hitchcock, lots of traits which he was going to pick up on in later movies are all in there. Great, great film, very clever, uh, and a fabulous restoration on that one as well. So it's quite a quite a hefty year for restorations and and for Hitchcock fans. There you go. So Matt, what's uh, what's your box set, or is it something that we've already discussed? I'm afraid I'll, uh, Simon beat me to it. I was also going to go for the Indiana Jones set again. I think that's just enormously good fun. And as you say, you've got the three great films and, and the one that you kind of leave in there and don't even bother opening the packaging on. Okay, so moving from movie box sets, let's move to TV series uh, on box sets. It seems to be the way that most people, uh, and I include myself in this, catch up with the latest TV by just buying the box set. So we've had quite a few this year. Uh, let's go to Steve. Steve, what was your favourite? I'm going to go with Spartacus, Spartacus Vengeance, which is the, uh, well, second part of second series, but technically third because there was a prequel done as well. Um, love the show. I, I know Chris is a big fan too, but for obvious reasons, it's got naked men in it. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, that's not the reason I like the show. Can I just point out? Uh, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great show. And it's it's not highly the reason styled. I like the show either. Can I just point out? <laughs> It's uh, it's a great show. It's, it's very well written. <laughs> it's really well written, really well acted. It's spectacularly violent. It's full of swearing and sex, and uh, it's highly stylized in the way it's shot. It looks fantastic and high def. Um, it, it's just one of those shows that yeah, you know, if you like, you're going to lo- absolutely love. I mean, you've got to go into it with a fairly open mind and be quite broad minded because it, it can be quite shocking at times. It really does push the envelope of what you can get away with anywhere, let alone on TV. Uh, and um, but it, it is it is just such so much fun. Uh, I think you really get enjoyable. kind of in your Twitter, don't you? I mean, now you expect to be um, shocked by it. What I like about it, you know, as well as the obvious, um, lots of naked ladies, Stephen, um, and uber violence. The fact that you have got like the the three hundred style CG backgrounds, plus you've got like lots of great prosthetic effects as well in there. Some of the, some of the the actual makeup gore effects are pretty um, extensive and very very impressive. But the script is dynamite. You know, it's extremely full of obscenities and, you know, blasphemous stuff. But it, it's really clever. You know, it, it, there's lots of, you know, skullduggery and backstabbing and infighting. And it, it does keep you gripped from episode to episode. You can't wait. And 
that's the thing about having the box set. People who have waited to get the box sets of all these things that we're going to mention. It's great to just razz through episode after episode in like a marathon session. And Spartacus really you know, comes up trumps in that one. Great, great show. Yeah, great box set as well. So let's move to Matt. Unfortunately, he's been left till last on the last two rounds. So let's get him in early here. Come on in, Matt. What is your TV box set of the year? I've got a little confession to make here. I've yet to see any TV box sets at all this year. I've just been too darn busy. Watched a few on the first runs, but uh, haven't had a chance to see uh, any. But the one I'm looking forward to watching that's currently sat on the shelf is Game of Thrones. I think. <laughs> now you're talking. Absolutely. Not, not Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Game of Thrones, fantastic show. Yeah, you you know you're going to be you know really treated by that one once you get into it because you won't want it to end. Lots of um, skullduggery, violent sex, lots of bad language, fantastic sets uh, as well as sex, and uh, a tremendous story, and absolutely tip top um, AV presentation on, on on disc as well. Very very impressive box set that is. Good commentary tracks from all the cast as well on each episode. Um, bit odd hearing the uh, the kids talking over some of the sex scenes that are in it. I was going to say, you speak about the, the quality on that. Were you aware that there was actually a playback issue on that disc that they've having to be doing live updates for? Some people have found that the disc won't play properly, and it's only if you've got it connected to the net will it do an update to make it work. Have you have you seen those uh, announcements I had no issue. I've had no issue with it at all. Neither I've did I. The US disc, so I don't know Plus, we also have the uncut one. I think most of us have the uncut one because they changed the uh, the final episode. Was it a final episode? There was a was head on a pike. Because of all the heads Bush's, on the, the spike. George Bush's yeah. head. <laughs> and, yeah, it was noticed and complained about. So they did a recall, didn't they? And all the new ones um, that you buy, uh, they've got a different uh, a different head <laughs> on the spike, I think. We've still got the, uh, the George Bush ones, though. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I believe yeah, so. it is the new ones that are that do have the issue, actually. Oh, well, that, oh, that's there you go. But, yeah, it's a great show and really, really cinematic in the way it's shot. It looks beautiful on disc. Really good. Yeah. Peter Dinklage, um, Tyrion. Yeah, oh God, yeah, Peter Dinklage. He, he owns that show, doesn't he? He's he superb. <laughs> so, Even though so, he does sound uh, a little bit like Stewie from Pete, from Family Guy, sometimes. He does, and he's about the same size as Stewie as well. <laughs> okay, well, I, I think we can uh, see that there's a bit of a trend building up here in terms of uh, lots of violence, lots of sex, and sex so on. Sex and violence. Uh, so let's HBO go. To, <laughs> let's go to Kaz. Uh, Kaz, what's your choice for TV box set of the year? Well. It's- I think a tough choice for me because it, it came down to Boardwalk Empire or Sherlock. Oh. I know Simon's probably got my back on uh, Mad Men, but uh, it's going to have to be Sherlock. So season two of uh, the BBC show Sherlock. We're talking early on in the year, like back in February. But um, So so I love uh, Boardwalk Empire, Mad Men. I love uh, Game of Thrones. All the shows that you mentioned, watch Spartacus back to back. Um, but I could just watch uh, the Sherlock seasons again and again. You know, I wish they'd make more now. Uh, snappily written, perfectly acted, uh, smartly updated, but respectful to the original material. It's great. And I never thought they could do more Sherlock after I thought that Robert Downey Jr. was a great, uh, you know, updating of the detective. Um, but uh, no, they did. It's great. Okay, well, that just leaves Simon. So, Simon, what was your choice? Um, much like, like, I mean, Kaz actually mentioned everything that I was going to go on with. Broad, uh, Boardwalk Empire. You've actually had the first and second season box sets this year. Um, the first one very, very early in the year. The, the second season just very, very recently. Um, superb. Um, Game of Thrones is the set to get for 
um, fantasy boardwalk empire for um, historical accuracy, if you want um, fiction, but brilliant. Um, and I love it. But I'm I'm another one that Kaz mentioned that I am going to pick for my um, set of the year is Mad Men season five, which um, uh, the show has been hiatus for about two years or so, um, and it's come back storming. It's an excellent season, really, really, really entertaining. I don't want to say a huge amount about the story because if you have, if you see Mad Men, you know where it's going, and it sort of just slightly goes to on a tangent, and it's super. Herb, and I loved it. It's a spectacular looking, fantastic sound, an amazing set, and a brilliant series. So, for me, Mad Men season five. I think Chrissy's got one final one to add into the mix before we move on to the next subject. So, go on, Chris. Well, I'm Thomas between two. I want to say Walking Dead, but Walking Dead season two, which is now out on disc, was also commonly known as The Talking Dead because it got kind of boring in its yep. lengthy middle section. But my God, what a finale to it, though. You like zombie last stands. You like Night Living Dead-style sieges. Jesus, that had one of the best ever in its final couple of episodes. Shocks are plenty. You know, main cast members getting off left, right, and center. Left in a really horrendous cliffhanger. Just amazing stuff. Season three, which is on right now, has been absolutely blinding. Each episode so far has just topped the previous one. Non-stop excitement. They listen to the critics. It's not the Talking Dead anymore. It pure. It's not even the Walking Dead. It's just pure grizzle, bone, and splatter, and it's just fantastic stuff. But that's not what I'm going with. I'm going to go with American Horror Story. Anyone seen that? No. That was is it any good. That, is it any good? Sex, violence, <laughs> major, major supernatural weirdness. Um, Jessica Lang. It's it's all like <laughs> I just threw that in as well. Uh, it's, it's set in you know Hollywood. Uh, modern day, but the stories sort of backtrack over the last few years. You move into this house, you can't really leave the house because certain things happen, and all the previous people who've lived there, they're still there in some form or another. Great um, you know, cameos from all sorts of uh, you know celebrities. It's uh, just very gory, very scary, very offbeat, loads of sex to it, really clever, clever storyline, um, and just completely blows you away. Each episode tops the last one. We're in terms of just completely way out there stories and graphic imagery. Very clever stuff. Jessica Lang owns that show. She's the woman who lives next door but knows a lot about this house. And they've just done, well, they're showing season two now, which is completely different, set in an asylum. Uh, again, the story's mainly in the past, but you've got some future reverberations from it. Uh, it takes everything from possession to aliens, all sorts of things take place in this asylum. And the same cast crop up in it but playing different people clever idea great stuff um and it's a, tab- a taboo breaker again which seems to be the uh, the thing for tv these days spartacus game of thrones uh, i've not watched these gangster ones you're on about i haven't seen any bulwark empire madman i've not seen those so i don't know how far they go in terms of explicit stuff but the horror shows and the uh, you know the spartacus type stuff the fantasy stuff it's just fantastic Okay, so that's TV box sets. Uh, We're moving on rapidly. Next subject. Let's have a look at AV presentation. So the best looking Blu-rays of this year in terms of picture quality. And I'm going to go first. And I'm going to pick Prometheus. Rubbish film. Ah, Curse you. Rubbish (laughs) film. However, in terms of AV quality, in terms of picture quality, it was shot in the red epic. It was transferred to disc perfectly. And I've got to say, it's one of the most outstanding uh, pictures I have seen this year. So, 
let's move to Steve for the next one. I'm going to go with the Avengers, <laughs> which uh, looks and sounds absolutely stunning. Uh, I'm a bit disappointed. Uh, I understand why he did it, uh, why he didn't shoot in scope ratio, but shot in 1.85 to 1. I was a little bit disappointed it's not a scope movie because I couldn't enjoy it on the big scope screen at home. Um, the reason he did that was because of the Hulk, basically, and, and he would have been too tall for the frame. Uh, along with everybody else when they framed them up in shots. So I know why he did it, but, but so it did disappoint me slightly that it wasn't scope. But in terms of uh, AV quality, uh, absolutely top draw. Dark Knight Rises, AV, AV picture, absolutely blinding, superb, absolutely superb. Yes, it changes aspect, it goes to the IMAX ratio and all that, but um, and, and does a hell of a lot. But to be honest, it doesn't really bother me at all. That it didn't bother me with Dark Knight. And there's a lot more going on with this one that doesn't bother me at all. Picture is just jaw-droppingly gorgeous to look at. Very colourful. Great, great shot of um, all the police uh, sirens and their, you know, their lights going off as they pursue Batman down the streets of Gotham. And it looks, looks like you know, it's the most pretty neon urban nightscape you could ever hope to see. And it's all police lights. You, you know, it should be quite upsetting to see that sort of thing. But I was just mesmerised by it. Uh, brilliant stuff. I've slammed that film a lot lately in the last couple of podcasts after loving it a hell of a lot initially. I kind of went OTT on it and just couldn't take any more. Well, I've got right back into it again. Absolutely love, love, love the movie. Would have been on my <laughs> list. That would have been my top one, except for the multiple aspect ratio, which I think is total pain in the ass. No, I, thankfully, I don't mind I, it thank, at all. thankfully, I can mask it to one point to two point three five to one and not have to worry about that. But uh, I think it's uh, you know give people the choice. It's clearly going to be framed, uh, composed for one particular ratio. And if it's composed for both, then nobody wins. <laughs> um, and, and that's why it didn't make my top spot. I can understand the grievances there, but it, it just, it, personally, it just doesn't bother me at all. Um, I wish it was all IMAX, which is all that aspect. That would be tremendous. But uh, obviously, they explain why it couldn't be that way. But yeah, my blinding image, superb. Okay, let's move to uh, to Matt. Matt, what was your uh, best-looking Blu-ray of the year? Well, I reviewed Prometheus, and I have to say I spent quite a lot of time on it. I sort of took it to work and put it on one of our um, reference monitors we've got on the edit suite there as well, and it does just look absolutely stunning. It's As you say, it's, it's the way it's shot on the camera, but also it's the degree of latitude and things like that. It's the it's just the contrast levels and the amount of detail that you, you see kind of just oozing out of that what on, on so many films would just be an almost black backdrop. You've just got so much low-level detail detail there that just looks stunning and it's and there's scenes on it which just jolt you just from the the scale of the action and the fact that nearly all of it's shot on practical sets as well there's none of this kind of fudging the digital background or you know people who look far too highlighted because it's shot against a green screen and you're getting little bits of sort of green wisping around the edges of the, the characters there's none of that at all it just looks big and it just looks huge and it looks expensive and that to me just makes it for me yeah got to agree with you there and uh, let's go to Kaz yeah I thought um, well we're going with big and huge and expensive Ghost Protocol uh, Mission Impossible 4 I thought that looked absolutely stomping on Blu-ray uh, it should make uh, Steve happy because it doesn't expand to IMAX and it I would does say, make me happy yes yeah I would say that was the the one disappointing thing for me was that I saw it in IMAX and I did want those scenes to, to expand out but given that it yeah, doesn't Kaz, you're not going to you're not going to be seeing it in IMAX at home all you're doing is seeing a 1.85 to 1 ratio image instead of a scope ratio image it just it takes for those you extra the, 3 or 4 inches you know it takes yeah. you out of the film though because you become aware yeah. of fact you're watching an article you sound like my wife then does, yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't uh, take me out of the film I expand to IMAX for the wife yeah. nightly <laughs> <laughs> 
More like That's not what she said. <laughs> with, with, with jaw dropping detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it in IMAX at the start. It looked amazing. I expected it to be demo quality. It was demo quality. It's got beautiful colours. It's 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 got the kind of budget invested in it and locations that make the mu- most of uh, what you can get out of picture quality. I mean, it's it it, it is near as perfect or it was to me so moving on and uh the last one for av presentation picture and simon what's yours uh i thought battleship looked quite good uh, oh god the woman really? in black looked quite good um i think i i thought the gray looked quite good let's go with the hunger games so let's move on from picture uh, and quickly to sound what was the best sounding uh, Blu-ray of the year. Now this can be film or it could be a music video um, concert, whatever. Uh, let's go to Matt first on this one. Yeah, I've got a couple actually. The, the, the Some of which have, uh, have really quite surprised me actually. I mean again as sort of if traditional movies go, Prometheus sounds darn good. Uh, the Muppets sounds absolutely brilliant. If you want something that's really going to test your system out and has got music coming out of pretty much every speaker pretty much all the way through, it's great fun. You know, it's not, I'm not saying it's necessarily high the whole way through but in terms of involvement and getting you in the action that's fantastic for it uh, and another one which actually surprised me was ted would you believe um finished watching that uh, a week or so back and i've got to say it's got one of the best musical scores and it just again it's got a really nice subtle surround uh track to go with it it's quite ambient it's quite nice it's quite well put together so again that one surprised me i was expecting that as a low as a relatively low budget movie not to sound that great but I have to say it, it blew me away on, on just the actual uh, sound quality of it. And as I say, the actual content was there as well. Excellent. So let's move to Chris. Uh, well, I've just already hinted at um, The Dark Knight Rises. That, that to me, was um, it blew me out. blew me out the sofa. I'd seen it, IMAX. I'd seen it, the flick, several, well, six times, in fact. And I knew pretty much what I wanted to hear from it on disc, and it didn't disappoint. Uh, the opening scene, just to put you in the picture, or put you in the audio, as um, you know, Bane's about to take over the CIA jet, and it's Hercules thunders overhead. Oh my God! You know, I talked about the Expendables too, and it's it's supposed fantastic um, 11.1 optimized audio, um, but basic 7.1 as being okay, and but a bit disappointing in terms of the bass levels that I expected to hear, having seen that at the flicks a few times. But Dark Knight Rises, when that Hercules goes over, you feel like you shrink inside the sofa. You want to get under the sofa. It is absolutely really bombastic and threatening. Um, it's everything that the Imperial Star Destroyer should sound like as it's going overhead. And, you know, it doesn't stop there. Pin-sharp steerage, fantastic, uh, you know, directionality to it. Dialogue perfectly clear. The, oh, oh, God, Hans Zimmer's score. Once Bane's theme kicks in, Again, you hear it sometimes about the movie and it always sounds blistering. But again, that opening sequence, as the real percussion comes in, oh, you've got to go and warn your neighbours. It but it's totally clear as well. Sounds fantastic. And beyond that, beyond that, mate, right back at the start of the year, the grey. There's nothing to beat the absolute realism of that soundtrack. Again, I've banged on about that before in the past. I think we all have. Um, the, the sound of the wind howling across the soundscape. It's utterly convincing, completely realistic. The sound of the wolves howling as they move around these beleaguered survivors out in the air, the wilderness. You know, it's perfect, absolutely perfect. That's exactly how I would expect it to sound. 
um, if I was out in that environment. And again, having seen that, the flicks, I knew what to expect, and the disc did not fail me at all. Absolutely top, top audio presentation for both of these. And let's move over to Steve. I'm going to go with Brave. It's got a Dolby True HD 7.1 soundtrack. And uh, as you'd expect from an animated movie, it's built from the ground up. It's completely created um, by the sound designers. And it sounds absolutely spectacular. You know, really, really imaginative use of uh, surround effects, uh, positioning, imaging, steering. Uh, it's just, uh, it was super, uh, really impressive soundtrack on Brave. Again, from Pixar, who, who, let's be honest, pretty much deliver the goods every single time. Okay, uh, so that leaves Kaz. Kaz, what do you think? Um, Drive. I had real troubles picking my best film of 2012, whereas I had no trouble picking my best film of 2011, and it was Drive. So I'm glad I could somehow push it into this year in some times of marking. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's got a, a fantastic score, uh, which perfectly diegetically blends in uh, the music there elements in you know music playing in one room suddenly becomes the, the score for the whole overall piece very moody atmospheric movie i'm hoping there aren't too many people who haven't seen that yet but it's a tremendous tremendous soundtrack um and uh yeah that's my best soundtrack release of the year uh, so moving on from AV presentation, picture and sound, let's move on to uh, a subject area we, we just wouldn't have covered two years ago, and that's 3D. Um, they're now coming thick and fast, the 3D releases. So uh, quickly round the guys, and let's start with Kaz. What were your 3D films of the year? Well, I, I would say uh, it should have been should have been Avengers again, but that didn't work out. I did not enjoy 3D at the cinema. I did not enjoy it again at, at home, but... Prometheus looked just as good as it did at well, not just as good, but uh, pretty damn impressive at home in 3D. Um, and also, because someone else is going to do Prometheus, I'd like to sneak in Wrath of the Titans because it's a con, it's a conversion, and nobody likes conversions, but it looked pretty damn good. Yeah, I agree with that. It was for, for conversion, incredible. I, really. I would agree with that as well. Yeah, mm. it, it does. I'd say for conversions, Titanic. Was- Easily the best. Well, I, I was just going to come I in hate and say conversions that. with a vengeance, but of them all, Titanic was by far and away the most bearable conversion I've seen. Yeah, it actually I, wasn't too bad. I didn't have yeah, high I, hopes I for that. that at all. <laughs> I had no high hopes for that at all, but actually, it did blow me away as a conversion. It did look stunning. Okay, Matt, what was yours? Yeah, well, I, I think certainly Prometheus, I think as subtlety goes, it, it kind of hits it. Because it was, again, as I've said earlier, it was so many practical sets, what you were seeing was was real 3D, if you like, rather than it being recreated. Even when you're green screening, yes, okay, the the, the forward action is, is, is live 3D, if you like, but all the background stuff, again, is recreated. But Prometheus, that's all real. And again, it looked absolutely fantastic. Conversions, definitely Titanic. I wasn't that impressed with it, but I think it's probably the best of the year. If we're looking at animated films, something like after christmas or something like that that came out of ardman and out of sony again in, in terms of 3d it just looks brilliant it just goes back forever chris uh, well in terms of uh, three 3d discs i'm fairly new to the 3d game at home um but i would say and i know steve is probably going to want to say this as well but creature and black lagoon is the one that really blew me away because it's it's very gimmicky you know it's black and white it's vintage but my god they knew what they were doing You've got the creature's claws coming out of the screen and tickling your face. You've got the underwater photography where you're genuinely feeling as though you're underwater there and you're gliding past all these vines under there. Spear guns are going off at you. It's great good fun, but the sheer depth that's on offer is astounding. 
it, you genuinely feel, you know, this coming alive inside your, your living room. Just tremendously well done stuff. Um, but theatrically, I dread. I, I totally adored the movie, and I thought the 3D experience there. Some people weren't enamored with it, but I thought it worked a treat. I like, truly cannot wait for that to come out on disc, because uh, that, was, that was a tremendous experience, and I thought the 3D worked sublime. And let's go to Simon. I'm going to go with Hugo, which was released this year, believe it or not, and was a spectacular 3D release. So there you go. <laughs> I could also say Brave, but I'm not. I'm going to go with Hugo. Uh, and Steve? Uh, yeah, so it's been a, I've got to say it's been a spectacular year for 3D. Uh, I know the format hasn't been that successful. I know it's not necessarily that popular. But certainly in terms of 3D discs, uh, you've had loads. Prometheus already mentioned, Brave. Um, you've had Hugo, which was a superb 3D made by somebody who really understood how to use the format. Creature from the Black Lagoon, of course, so you've got the classic 50s 3D where they were you know, very very deep shots, lots of gimmick shots. Um, I really enjoyed Spider-Man. I thought Spider-Man used uh, 3D excellently, um, much to my surprise. Uh, so I'm going to pick Spider-Man as, as my 3D movie of the year. Oh, actually, oh, special mention, though, for Piranha 3DD. Terrible film, but you can't beat <laughs> knockers in 3D, particularly when they're that large. <laughs> Moving on for that one, uh, let's go to extras. Um, so quickly again, we're going to quickly buzz through all the guys. Uh, what was your favourite extra extras package this year? And uh, let's start with Steve. Um, without a doubt, the best uh, extras package was Prometheus. It took me an entire weekend to get through all that. Your commentary tracks, uh, a three and a half hour documentary, plus an extra hour of you hit an, an optimized button or something like that, which threw an extra bit. So in total, it took uh, nearly f- uh, over five hours to get through just that alone before you got onto the deleted scenes uh, and all the other uh, unbelievable amount of stuff on that disc. Uh, I think so, it's 14 hours of it. Yeah. 14 but hours of extras you, ridiculous. Wouldn't you have given it all up for a director's cut that used even some no, of those No, no, because cause that's the thing about watching the... When you watch the documentaries and you watch them and how they're making it, um, you realise that they screwed it up at a script level. Not by the original writer, who I, I felt massively sorry for. He obviously put a brave face on. He knows where he's, you know, not to bite the hand that feeds him. So he sat there and said, oh, yeah, it was great when they brought Damon in. No, it wasn't. It was. It sounded like a really good original script. I've got, actually got it, downloaded it from the internet and watched and re- read it recently. Um, the original screenplay was very much an alien prequel. It was a lot more entertaining. And they brought that moron in, Damon Lindelof, and he screwed everything up. And they ruined it at a script stage. So once it's ruined it at a script stage, there's not very much you can do. You can do all the director's cuts in the world. The film's rubbish from day one. And that's the problem with that film. Um, it w- so it's not a great movie. But as a, as a, as a, you know, as a set, as a, a Blu-ray release, 3D, 2D, uh, hours of extras, uh, you really couldn't go wrong in that sense. So it, it sounded amazing, it looked amazing, all round superb set. It's definitely a better film where those extra scenes put back in it, though. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. It's still it, not a great it, film. It makes more sense even towards a good the film. end. It's more, um, more entertaining, yeah. more exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been better if they'd have included those scenes in it. So, so I'm not saying they could have fixed the film, but they could have given us a better cut. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think Scott's point is though that he considered that to be his director's cut. I think he <laughs> says that he says that in the extras somewhere. Yeah, which which one of the Blade Runners does he consider to be his director's cut? You know, maybe I mean, he's just he's, getting he, old he and loves, tired. He loves different versions. He's obviously just trying to stick all his all his films have had different versions. And he said yeah. that about Gladiator as well. That that this is not a director's cut. This is just an extended cut, but it's a better version. He said that about Kingdom of Heaven. You know, but the, the version of Kingdom Heaven, which is extended, is absolutely a million times better than the theatrical release. 
So, you know, you take everything he says with a, a rather large pinch of salt. Okay, let's move to Matt. What was your favourite uh, disc for extras this year? Uh, again, I would go with Prometheus. I ploughed through all of those and, and did enjoy that. Uh, the other one that, that jumped out at me, just again for sheer amount of content, was Titanic. Uh, there was an awful lot in there to go through as well. And of course, that film is now getting quite old, so it's quite good to go back and look at some of that. And bearing in mind things like Prometheus, the, you, you know, they've got camera crews rolling the whole time. They know they're going to be making an extras disc, so it's relatively simple. But something like Titanic, that really wasn't considered so much back there what they were filming for was for a tv special and you know a bit of promotion around the film so actually what they've cut together and some of the stuff they found some of the um some of the early screen tests and that sort of stuff it is really quite interesting it's quite good to go through uh, and the other one in a similar vein is forest gump again they they draw quite a lot of stuff out of that one but i'm not sure if i can have that does that count as this year's release simon what was yours special mention zombie flesh eaters uk release which has got a whole plethora of extra material on it on a second blu-ray disc um but i think i'm going have to go with Jaws because um been waiting such a long time and I know a lot of it's repeated from the old R1 DVD but um it's just great to have all that stuff on one disc it's got the, go um, the whole new documentary the shark is still yeah. working which is actually very good so yeah not, not the that. full documentary though is it it's still slightly trimmed down but it's still a fabulous documentary though isn't it the Absolutely. shark still works yeah Kaz yeah so uh, I'm gonna go left field I'm gonna go with um Ooh, tough call between either King of New York or Rumblefish. Um, both films, which um, I absolutely love, they're they're in my top favourite films of all time. Got released, and they actually did reasonably good jobs on them. Um, and uh, Eureka did Rumblefish and packed it full of extras, um, which I went through for the review and uh, it was all quality stuff and deleted scenes deleted scenes for a film like that you really don't expect to come across um, and King of New York has uh, also got a wealth of extras including some really strangely um, uh, incidentally revealing extras into the doctor's mindset because Abel Ferreira is completely completely nuts absolutely certifiable and half of the extras in follow him around and uh, have him talking to the camera and he proves it on several occasions that he's absolutely nuts so um yeah two great releases film should be a big enough clue that he's absolutely nuts yeah but you can say that about a lot of directors i think it's just uh, it's just him literally he'll he's driving down the street in one of his in one of the documentaries just like picking people up off the street they don't even know who he is and he's he's filming them with his camera and uh, and then he'll just drop them off and start filming someone else and talk complete nonsense to them and then go and get completely trashed uh play a guitar for a bit and then start swearing randomly. He's, um, yeah, he's completely <laughs> nuts. He's, Sounds he's like, like Chris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does sound like me. <laughs> uh, right, so moving on. And, oh, well, before we move on, I'll just quickly mention uh, Indiana Jones box set is my uh, extras of the year. Finally, we get to see a lot of the archive stuff that we all knew existed and which we've seen in drips and drabs and a little bit here and a little bit there, but to have them all together, especially on the Raiders disc, absolutely fantastic to sit and watch watch, watch all that all the way through. And, uh, you know, the, the, the old Dicky Tummy coming up with the best or one of the funniest scenes in, in movie history where yep. he was supposed to have this sword fight, but because he was feeling ill, he drew the gun and shot him. And, uh, Shoot him instead. Yeah, it, it just shows you, you know, a little bit of improvisation sometimes, uh, you know, 
the other improvised line in one of the classics this year that was released, uh, you're going to need a bigger boat, wasn't in the script. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's move on. Oh, and actually, <laughs> we forgot to uh, ask Chris there. Um, I don't know why. I, I seem to think he's been talking all night, but uh, on you go, Chris. <laughs> it's a, in terms of quality and quantity, Prometheus wins hands down, without a doubt. But I'm going to say a little special mention out here to um, Lionsgate's Curse of Frankenstein. It's got two versions of the movie on it, 1.37, 1.66, which is nice for you know connoisseurs. Great commentary track um, from you know, Hammer Historians, which are always good, good for a laugh. You've got a bonus movie on there, a, a rare Hammer movie, The Four-Sided Triangle. You've got Tales from Frankenstein episodes. You've got um, featurettes and all sorts. You know, I'm a massive fan of Hammer movies and you know, classic horror. And that's a, they put together a really good package there, I've got to say. Uh, not the best of transfers with the disc itself, but overall, very impressive little package. Okay, so we've got two uh, subjects left to do for this podcast, Film of the Year and Blu-ray of the Year. Uh, we're going to bung them together. Uh, let's go to Simon first, your Film of the Year and your Blu-ray of the Year. They could be the same or they could be different. Yeah, uh, another very, very tough category to pick. Film of the Year, I'm going to go with Dread. Um, there are some spectacular films. It's been a brilliant, brilliant year for, for cinema film and for Blu-ray releases. Um, they've all got you know, something you can pick up on and point out. You know, I loved Avengers. I loved Dark Knight. Um, they all had, you know, points you could say, mm, you know, I didn't quite like that bit. That wasn't quite right. Mm. But I think Dread hit the nail every time. We got it right in every respect. Um, I know it's not quite out on Blu-ray yet, but can I have it? Because it's only next month. So I'm going to take that as my Blue year, Blu-ray of the year as well. <laughs> okay. And let's move to cars. Well, well, Blu-ray of the year, I'm going with uh, uh, Left Field, Last Temptation of Christ. Um, massively up there in the, oh God, my personal top ten, I guess. Um, of all of Scorsese's films, um, it's probably one of the ones that is less well-known. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's my favourite done by him. Uh, fantastic movie, got a fantastic package upgraded from Criterion's DVD release to their Blu-ray release, um, beautiful video and audio, all of the extras from the previous DVD release. Um, it's fantastic and I highly recommend it anyone to give it a shot, particularly if you've given some of Scorsese's other films some of your love and attention. Uh, don't let this one drop off your list. Uh, now, in terms of favourite film, I knew someone's going to cover Dread, and there are plenty of uh, good, even great movies, which I'd, I'd love to put up there. But given that I have my personal obsession, no doubt thanks to Chris, has been Bond for three months, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with uh, Skyfall. Uh, I know it's controversial. Uh, for some p- peculiar reason, the majority of people who've... Uh, who've commented on my review, have actually said how much they dislike the movie. Um, I have no idea why, because I absolutely loved it. And the strange, the strange thing when people do that, uh, you know, it's just like when your parents tell you not to do something, uh, it only made me love it more. So, um, so, so I just went and saw it again and loved it even more. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. It's uh, everything I could have wanted after having waited four years for the next Bond film. Uh, it sets it up perfectly for you know, what could be the perfect Bond movie next. Love it. And um, don't see why people have problems with it. Don't see why people have problems with the you know, last man standing ending. Um, 
uh, I, it's fantastic. So if anyone hasn't seen it, uh, Matt, what's yours? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Kaz on Skyfall for uh, movie of the year. Um, like what he says, I think it's a fantastic film, and I'm looking forward to the next one. I think it it was different from the previous outings, and I liked it for that. I think it kind of updated it, and to a certain point, I think it rebooted the uh, the franchise as well. So I loved it for all those reasons. Um, Blu-ray of the year, it's still got to be Prometheus. It might not be the greatest film of the year, but in terms of watchability and the extras and things like that, and it, if you disregard its alien heritage, which I know is really hard to do, and take it as a standalone film, actually, it ain't that bad either. Let's move on to Chris. Ooh, right. Uh, film of the year for me, oh, yeah, I want to say Dread because that, that worked on every single level for me. Absolutely, yeah, it did. It hit the nail on the Dread. Ah! <laughs> uh, pure comic book mayhem, but it was faithful. I loved it. I walked out feeling 10 feet tall. I wanted to shove a strange motorcycle helmet on my head and go on the rampage. Uh, loved it a bit. But Skyfall, again, dominated a hell of a lot of me, well, a hell of a lot of me time. And money. I bought suits. So when I was trying to be Bond, uh, climbing cranes and fought in casinos, did all sorts of stupid, wacky things because Bond is Bond. It's just too awesome for words. So it's a tie between those two, to be honest. Um, Blu-ray. Oh, God. It's got to be Chuck Norris in the Delta Force. No, <laughs> no. It's going to be, I don't know what to say for this. I'm going to say Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Because it's, it's just basically arrived with me now. And I've, I've rekindled my love for uh, for the Dark Knight. It's just blew me away. Loved every every minute of it, and watched it about three times since it turned up. So yeah, Dark Knight Rises. And Steve, uh, Blu-ray. Uh, I'm going with Jaws. Um, I've waited a long time for that. It looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. I had a great set of extras. Um, so definitely Jaws. Uh, movie of the year, uh, Skyfall. I, I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was a fantastic film. Fantastic film. Never mind Bond film. I thought it was a fantastic film. It's also a fantastic Bond film. Uh, it gets Bond back on track after what I personally think is a bit, you know, of a diversion with uh, parts of Casino Royale and certainly Quantum of Solace. Um, it's back on track with classic Bond. And uh, I loved it. So, Skyfall. Okay. Well, uh, that is our picks of 2012. Um, so, there you go. Some interesting choices in there. I guess we couldn't really get away from uh, mentioning a number of films a few times because... Uh, they have been standout, and there's no getting away that Skyfall has been a, a standout film this year. Even though I have my uh, reservations about it, um, it's uh, it's 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 a good movie. So that's our choices of 2012. I'm sure uh, lots of you will agree. I'm sure some of you will disagree. Uh, so leave your comments under this podcast in the podcast forum. Uh, leave us your thoughts, your opinions on what you thought was best in 2012, either on Blu-ray or just on film. And uh, just to wrap up. Uh, we are going to do some articles on uh, the best of 2012 in different categories as well. So if you want to catch up with them, look at the front page of AV Forums and they will be popping up there uh, very soon. And Kaz has just done one on 50 years of Bond. Uh, yeah, it was. it felt like a good way to finally put this box set to bed. But, um, but it has been interesting looking back on it. And um, yeah, it was... Uh, it's up there, and it's had some some nice feedback. Appreciate everybody who's uh, taken the time to read it. Fifty years of Bond. That was two thousand and twelve, I think. Right, let's wrap it up. Uh, we've run out of time, so my thanks to Steve, Chris, Matt, Kaz, and Simon. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, Cheers. Phil.
And from all of us, uh, please have a great Christmas and a new year. And uh, we will see you all again in January for the next Movies Podcast. And we'll see you all again in January, just before we jet out to CES for all the latest technology. Don't forget, that'll be all over the forums from next month. But the next Movies Podcast, 7th of January. Join us then. And until then, have a great Christmas and a happy new year. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.